Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we continue our teaching series called Jesus, My Reward, My Desire, My King. We're going to be spending the next six weeks unpacking the Gospel of John together. Today, we continue in John chapter 1, where we talk about humility and pointing people to Jesus with our lives. Will you help me thank our children's choir and our artists again? Yeah. It's great to have Miriam back with us again, and very thankful that all of you are here as well. And happy Mother's Day. So for all of the moms in the room, we hope that today is just a fantastic celebration for you. We began a new series last week called Jesus, My Reward, My Desire, and My King. And we're simply walking through the opening chapters of the Gospel of John and trying to figure out what he, as an author and as an eyewitness of what Jesus said and what Jesus did, has to say to us, and then how we can use that and how we can apply that in our lives today. So I gave some homework out last week. How'd you do on that? All right, good job. I want to encourage you to keep doing that and read the paragraph that I give to you at the end of each talk before you come next Sunday, because I think you'll find that your interest level will go way up. Today we're going to look at the next set of verses in John chapter 1, and we're going to discover that Jesus was just compassionate, and he really went after the mission that his Father gave to him. So before we jump into all of that, I'd like to invite you just to pray with me. Father, we come to you and we are so thankful for who you are and for your great love for us. And we're thankful for some opportunity here on this morning, on this holiday, just to consider what you want to say to us. So God, I pray that you'd help our minds to be awake, help us to be willing to push aside the distractions of the day and truly focus on what we're going to discover in John chapter 1. God, I pray that you'd speak to us, change us, help us to embrace everything that you want. And God, I pray that as we walk out of here in just a bit, that we would be changed and different because of our time with you, listening to your words and praying and just responding to the greatness of God. Give us a great morning, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to get us thinking again, I want to review what we talked about last week, and I want to do that in the form of a multiple-choice quiz. So multiple choice always worked for me. It did. The process of elimination, I think, is a good thing. So three questions. Here we go. Number one, the book of John. A, it's one of the four Gospels. B, a true diary of a wimpy kid, which you have to have elementary age kids or middle school kids to really get that. But Or C, the next J.K. Rowling book. So the answer is... A, you've got it. Yeah, this isn't hard. Second question. One of John's favorite words in his gospel is A, yowzers. B, all righty then. Which is actually two words somehow. Or C, believe. So the correct answer is? Yeah, you guys are good. So final question. Who wrote the book of John? Is it A, John, the disciple of Jesus? Or B, Mike and Mike? Or C, Sir Elton John? The correct answer is 
Hey, yeah, John the disciple. And so today, we're going to look at the next set of verses. So good job remembering some of the stuff that we talked about last week, and be ready because I might have another quiz for you. So the next set of verses in chapter one are very interesting. And let me ask you this. Have you ever been on a mission? Like there's something that you need to accomplish and that you need to do, and nothing else is going to happen until you get that thing accomplished. Like you are willing to just put everything else on a back burner and not even think about it, not even consider it, because you have this mission, you have this thing that you want done. Have you ever been on a mission? Just a couple of weeks ago, Tanya, my wife, wanted to hang up a bunch of different pictures and knickknacks in the house. And I'm not very good at doing that. As a matter of fact, to my credit, I've tried in the past, and when I hang things up, they're crooked, they're not straight, and they tend to fall off the wall because I don't anchor it right. And then when it falls off the wall, things break, and you have this big hole in the wall that now you need to cover up with something else. And so I just don't do it anymore because when I walk by the holes, they mock me. I'm serious, they do. They actually talk to me about how I'm a pathetic loser and I can't drill and I can't hang things and I'm just not good at it. So I just forget the whole thing, I'm not doing it. But Tanya was on this mission where she wanted to get some things done and so she borrowed a drill and you'd be amazed because everything was hung perfectly and it looked great. As a matter of fact, for Mother's Day, I actually thought about possibly getting Tanya one of these as a gift. Yeah, I thought about it, but I didn't do it, okay? I didn't. I actually got her some other things that are much more appropriate and pretty. I I didn't get her the drill, but she was really, really good at it, and everything was hung perfectly, and I was amazed at watching her on mission. See, when we get a mission in front of us, when there is something that we want to accomplish and when there is something that we want to do, There is an amazing sense of how we're able to just zero in on that. And so when we have a mission in front of us, there's a couple of things that happen. We have great focus, don't we? I mean, just think about the different things that you've accomplished when you've been focused, and we can laser in on that and just get a lot of things done. So when we have a mission, we have great clarity, we have a focus. Here's what else happens when we have a mission. And that is we're able to keep the monkeys off of our back. We are. Monkeys represent those distractions, those irritations, those things that pile up on our back that cause us to fall over. And monkeys are kind of creepy. They are. and They pile up on you and they knock you down. But when we have a mission, we're able to keep these monkeys, these distractions, these irritations, these things that knock us down off of our back, and we're able to accomplish quite a bit. And Jesus had a mission. He had focus, and he was able to push through all of the distractions and all of the irritations, and he accomplished much, and he did that for us. Like, we benefit from this in a huge way. So here's what we're going to discover today in the Gospel of John. We find a group of religious individuals, and they're having a conversation with a guy named John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is not John the author. It's a different person. But these religious leaders are trying to figure out, who is this John the Baptist guy? 
He was kind of a different individual, a little rugged, a little out there, and he lived off the land. But apparently, he was very captivating in what he had to say. Because Scripture tells us that people came from all over the place to listen to John the Baptist and his talks. Like He was really, really compelling, and he was very interesting. And even though he was rugged, like I'm sure as they talked to each other, they probably said, hey, why don't you come to me and let's go listen to John the Baptist. I mean, he's a little out there. He's a little rough around the edges, but he's interesting, and I think you'll like it. And so people came. And they listened to what he had to say. And so the religious leaders are trying to get under the hood there and discover, who are you? And what are you really saying? And what does all of this mean? And it's through this individual, John the Baptist, that we discover Jesus was consumed with a mission. That's our big idea for today. Jesus, absolutely consumed with a mission. And by the way, what he was consumed with totally benefits each and every one of us. And so we're going to think through that today. So here's John chapter 1, verse 19. Again, think about how Jesus consumed with a mission. We're going to discover it right here. Verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? He came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet then that we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And so these religious leaders are getting a little irritated because three times they look at John the Baptist and they say, who are you? And he doesn't really answer, but they're not who they were expecting because John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming, which was not the answer that they were expecting. I mean, if you ask someone their name and they say, well, I'm just a voice and I'm shouting, that's a little different If you were to introduce yourself and say, well, hello, my name is Eric, and you are, well, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm sure you are, and let's get the children and get out of here, because it's kind of odd. This is a weird way to describe yourself, but what John is trying to do here is say, look, I am not a big deal. I am not the one that you think I am. I am not Elijah. I am not a prophet. I am not the Messiah. That's not who I am. Verse 24, then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, well, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not even recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing, and that was the location of his ministry. Verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus arrives, and John recognizes him, and John says, look, 
Here he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And right there in verse 29, we get the whole mission. This is the whole deal. This is the whole reason why Jesus came, so that he could be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if you've ever wondered about Jesus... And what he was really up to, I mean, maybe you know that he was alive and he came and he did some things and he said some stuff and he helped people. But if you've ever really wondered what Jesus is all about, you find it right here with these three statements. They're kind of three power statements, actually. And so what I want to do is I want to peel apart those statements and just kind of talk about them for a few moments so that we can understand what John the author and John the Baptist is actually saying with these three different statements. So statement number one, the Lamb of God. A very interesting title. And it's interesting because no other gospel writer calls Jesus the Lamb of God except for John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't do that, just John. And it's interesting because this crowd would have understood that there is a sacrificial lamb, and that is a very important thing. This is even language that we understand, isn't it? Sometimes we even say, oh, you were the sacrificial lamb. And so this crowd, when John the Baptist announced that, got it, because back in the day, no forgiveness of sin could happen without an animal sacrifice. And that's what you gave, and that's what you did, and that's how you received a clean slate on the inside. And so all of a sudden, John the Baptist is saying, wait a minute, this is kind of amazing because here is the Lamb of God. Here is the one who will pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, and he'll do that once and for all, and it will be good enough for everybody. He's the Lamb of God, and everybody's getting, wow, this is an important individual. He's going to pay the price for sins. That means he's the sacrifice, Lamb of God. Statement number two is, who takes away. And so immediately when you read that, we jump into question mode. Well, what is he taking away? What is he eliminating? What is he getting rid of? Which takes us to statement number three, and that is the sins of the world. My sins. My sins. That's what this sacrificial lamb, he's coming to pay the price for my sins, all of my junk. And he's doing the same for your sins. See, whenever we jump into scripture, we have to personalize it and we have to place ourselves in the story. It's not just for them way back in the day, it's for us. And so when we think about this statement, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, That's talking about me, and that's talking about you and how Jesus came to do something for us. Last week, as we opened up this chapter, we talked about how Jesus did something with us. He came, and he put on flesh, and he downsized from his home in heaven to a home on earth so that he could get in the weeds with us. That's what he did with us. But in this little section, we understand that not only did Jesus do something with us, but he's done something for us. And what he's done for us is amazing and incredible and should cause us to really step back and say, wow, it's amazing. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
And John the Baptist is trying to say, that's him. Like he's coming, he's over there. That's what he does. And this is what we find in verse 30. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Again, John saying he's the one. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, my sins and your sins. And then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And all of that means he's the Messiah. He's the one who's going to pay the price for all of our sins. And then John says in verse 34, I saw this happen to Jesus. It's an important statement. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Jesus consumed with a mission. And that mission was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, my sins and your sins. So based on his mission, and again, Jesus had clarity and focus on that, and he was able to push through all of the distractions and all of the irritations that came into his life, and he fulfilled his mission. And so based on that, I want to pull out a couple of takeaways for us. Here's the first one. Put on the clothing of humility. And this is what we see John the Baptist doing here. Totally deflecting what they want to find in him and totally deflecting credit and saying, I'm not a guy, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. He's the one. He's the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He's the one with the mission. And so we see John the Baptist putting on the clothes of humility and I think all of us need to be ready to do the same. Unless you're a mom. Oh, you can laugh at that. Today's your day, isn't it? So unless you're a mom, everybody should be helping you and serving you, so you kind of get a break for that today. But everybody else, put on the clothing of humility. This is our responsibility, and this is our job. How do you describe that, though? What is the clothing of humility? If you're going to put that on, if you're going to embrace that and wear that, what does that actually look like, and what do we actually have to do? So I made a brief list here. I'll read my list to you. I think putting on the clothing of humility is thinking of others first, which is a really easy thing to say, but a very hard thing to do, isn't it? Because naturally, I think about me, like all day long, and I enjoy that, and I like that. And so I think putting on the clothing of humility is saying, I'm going to think about others first. I'm going to take time to really listen to someone in their moment of pain can you honestly think about a time in your own life where you set aside whatever you were doing and whatever you were thinking about and the stuff that you had to do so that you could focus on someone in their moment of pain? Instead of just pushing that off and instead of just brushing them away, you actually sacrifice time and you put on the clothing of humility to think about their pain and how you might be able to encourage and help them. See, that's the clothing of humility. 
It's just less of me and more of others, even those who irritate me. Do you have anybody in your life who irritates you? Put your hand up. All right, for those of you who don't have your hands up, you're the irritating ones, all right? You are, all right? So we're going to think less of ourselves and more about the people who irritate us, and we're going to defer to them, and we're going to put on the clothing of humility, right? It's sacrifice. It's holding what I have with open hands instead of clenched fists. It's like, God, it's yours. And if you need this over here, well, I'm going to hold it with open hands instead of with clenched fists and pulling it close to myself. I'm going to give it away. I want to brag on a couple of people here at Valley Point. We hosted a love day in April where we went out and we served the community. And one of the things that we did during that day is we had a group of individuals who went out and did some fix-up stuff for single moms and for widows. That's a very, very cool thing. And we have a handful of people here who have a very soft heart towards single moms and, and widows, and they've walked through that. And so they were really energized on that day, and they signed up for that, and they wanted to go out and just do everything that they could. So our love days are kind of designed to be from 9 to noon. You know, it's a short-term thing, and we can accomplish a lot in that time frame. And so at noon it ends, and we wrap up, and we go on with our day. But this group of individuals pretty much stuck with serving the different single moms and widows that they were assigned to almost all day long. And they were going out and buying gutter pieces and different things that they needed for their homes and just serving them and helping them and sacrificing a lot of their time and even their own money to serve people who have needs. I think, I think that's a, just a small little picture of what it looks like when we put on the clothing of humility. It's less of me and more of other people. And if we had more and more people putting on the clothing of humility, well, we'd change this community. We'd change the world. And so I want to ask you, what do you think you can do over the next seven days to put on the clothing of humility? What does that look like for you? What's the one thing? You don't have to do a lot, like just one. Just think about one thing. And what can I do over the next seven days to put on the clothing of humility and less of me and more of other people, even those who irritate me? Here's the second takeaway. And that is point people to Jesus with your life. Let me ask you, do your actions and your words help people see Jesus? With what you say and what you do, does that actually help people see Jesus? I'm not talking about picking up a bullhorn and going out and telling people to trust in Jesus and shouting and yelling, turn or burn, or something obnoxious like that. That's just all a little crazy and a little weird. It's not about that. It's about your actions and your words. Do they actually point people to Jesus? Is that happening? Because it can. And one of the things we see from John the Baptist is that he had a crowd coming to him and they were really enamored and impressed with what he was saying and what he was doing. But he said, you know what? With my actions and with my words, I'm gonna point people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's not about me. 
It's not about who likes me or anything like that. It's about deferring to the Lamb of God who's going to pay the price for my sins and everybody else's sins as well. So do your actions and your words match. As a mom, do you point people to Jesus with your life? As a dad, do you point people to Jesus with your life? As a grandparent, do you point people to Jesus with your life? As a student, do you point people to Jesus with your life? As a boss, do you point people to Jesus with your life? As a worker, are you pointing people to Jesus with your life? As a mentor, are you pointing people to Jesus with your life? As a friend, are you pointing people to Jesus with your life? Do your words and do your actions match? And are you deferring to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? See, Jesus, he was all about that mission. That mission of paying the price for my sins and for your sins. A great mission, which we all benefit from. And so falling out of that mission, we have the opportunity to look on the inside and say, okay, Am I putting on the clothing of humility then? Based on what he's done for me, am I putting that on in my life or not? And am I pointing people to Jesus with my life? Here's your assignment for next week. It's to read John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, and that will finish out chapter 1 and we're going to discover something very interesting about how Jesus interacted with people. And I hope that you'll be here. Jesus, consumed with a mission. He stayed focused on that and cut through all of the distractions. And so because of that, guess what we get to do? And it's a really good thing, by the way. We get to put on the clothing of humility. So let's do that. Again, moms, you kind of get a pass today. We're going to serve you, and we're going to love on you, and that'll all be fun and good. But starting tomorrow, you've got to do this too. So let's put on the clothing of humility, and let's do this as well. Let's point people to Jesus with our lives. Father, we're so thankful for this morning and for some time on this Mother's Day to reflect on a very unique paragraph of Scripture that shows us you had a mission and your mission was to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. God, I just want to thank you so much for following through on that mission, for being the one who paid for my sins. Because, God, we've got to personalize this. You did this for us, not just for others. You did it for me. And, God, you also did that for every single person in this room and we're so thankful that you did that because we never could have pulled that off on our own. So we thank you for being passionate about your mission. And God, because of that, we can put on the clothing of humility. We can do that. Help us today as we embrace that concept. And God, also with our lives, we can point people to you. So help us, give us the strength and the courage to do that today. And God, we know that you'll use us. You'll use us and change us and change others in the process. And that's what we want. And we'll give you all of the credit and all of the praise. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. 
We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.